0: This is Jeff Coburn, we welcome you to another episode of Disney at Play. You know, every episode I go into, I, I think a lot about, okay, what would I want to listen to and and what is the kind of podcast that I would enjoy um, hearing about and and, and learning more uh, from. And and that's what brings us to today's podcast today. People. People ask, how does one park or one attraction compare to another? Um, In our Disney Distinct series, we've been comparing parks, lands, attractions, event restaurants and shops from one park to another. Um, How does the Adventurers Hotel compare to Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge? How does Pirates of the Caribbean compare across all parks? Which Which popcorn is the best in all parks worldwide? That's the theme we play out in this series. Well, I have wanted to, and long promised, if you've heard on a few of these podcasts, that I would love to do a podcast that would compare all the Tom Sawyer Islands. Well, this is it. The podcast delivers on that promise as we look at the original Disneyland Tom Sawyer Island, the Magic Kingdom version that was built, Uh, Tokyo Disneyland's unique version and then back to what is really the Disneyland version today. So this podcast uh, builds off of all the other podcasts we've done in this series. There's also um, one uh, about castles across the world and also about it's a small world found in all the parks across the world. So if you're looking for the links for that, be sure to uh, check out the notes page, as you should always, because this notes page comes not only with a lot of island maps and island photos, it also comes with our unique uh, comparison chart, which allows us to look across the way at a number of things. When did these islands open? And uh, um, did they have a mill? Were there caves? What, what kind of rock elements? tree houses, bridges, forts? all these things what made them unique and that's what we're here to explore today as we look at Tom Sawyer's island so let's start with the uh, the original happiest place on earth Disneyland um, that island was well largely conceived by Walt Disney himself he is the one who gave birth to the whole concept. There were, there were actually other uh, ideas that had been considered, such as making it based on Mickey Mouse's, um, uh, kind of on the Mouseketeers, uh, Mickey Mouse Island or something of that effect. In um, Jim Korkus, my good friend Jim, in his revised vault of Walt, he states, quote, Tom Sawyer Island is the only part of Disneyland that Walt single-handedly designed himself. He always planned for an island in the middle of the rivers of America, but he debated what the island was going to be. It was Imagineer Marvin Davis who labored through dozens of map designs trying to find a workable pattern for the actual uh, Disneyland that opened in 1955. He struggled over the contours of Tom Sawyer Island, but his efforts failed to please Walt. "'Give me the thing,' Davis remembers Walt saying. That night, Walt worked for hours in his red barn workshop in the backyard of his home in Homby Hills. The next morning, he laid tracing paper on Davis's desk and said, now, that's the way it should be. The island was built according to Walt's design. And, you know, it really... The, the, the islands in all three locations really carry some very signature pieces to them. First off, is that each island is is noted by its bookends. The, f- the one end you always find on the back side is the fortress. On the front end, you always find the mill. Disneyland, this has always been referred to as the old mill. And the old mill harkens back to a Disney short in which uh, the multiplane camera was first experimented on to create those series of depths. If you've ever been in One Man's Dream, they showcase what this kind of looks like. And uh, and the Old Mill was a very successful artistic um, experiment that really paved the way for doing a much more serious form of animation in the form of uh, a full-length feature such as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So. Um, the old mill is is signature and is at the front of the island. But there are other uh, pieces uh, to the island as well. Uh, Injun Joe's cave. Now, what kid doesn't want to explore a cave? And this is the place to do this. And it's based off of, well, Tom Sawyer's nemesis, the one who um, had um, who had murdered. Um, uh, uh, was doc, uh, uh, let me remember. It was actually, um, um, doc Robinson as I believe that he murdered. Um, and, and, uh, and it's apparently he has escaped to the cave and that's where you go to find him in every, uh, Joe's cave, you find a bottomless pit that seems to go forever, at least the way it's kind of designed in the cave and so forth. So, but it's all all really good stuff. There is also an escape, a secret escape from the fort as well. Um, now, there are some um, rock element features. The biggest one of these was what was referred to as Castle Rock. It was a place where you could climb up to the top and look out over the rivers of America. And this is important because actually, when this attraction was built and this was june 16th of 1956 when which was a year after disneyland opened um this was actually the highest point that a guest could go and could actually go and see in the park so this was the highest highest vista at that time but there were other rock elements um there was something called the merry-go-round rock and the teeter-totter rock there was a tree house called Tom and Huck's tree house that you could climb up to. Um, there was, uh, a, a pontoon bridge and a suspension bridge. And I always thought the, the suspension bridge was much better here at Tom Sawyer's Island because if you got on it, you could kind of rock the, the, uh, the bridge back and forth. You can't do that so much at the magic kingdom because it's a much bigger suspension bridge, but you could get that feel. Of course, nothing is funner than jumping on the pontoon uh, bridge where it's uh, balanced out or stays afloat by these big barrels that are underneath it and uh, I, I have no because I'm a good sized guy I have no end of fun of letting my kids go first on the barrel bridge and then coming right behind them and jumping I know exactly the key place to jump to make the to to make the uh, the pontoon bridge shaken. And, and that's just one of my favorite, favorite things about being on Tom Sawyer's Island. I also mentioned that every island, and is the case here, has a fort. And so this fort was named Fort Wilderness, which may be a little confusing to folks who are largely acquainted with all things Walt Disney World because Fort Wilderness is a campground um, out in Florida. But here it's the name of a fort. And in it, the best part of it is it has these blockhouses um, in each corner, and you can climb up in them and actually shoot rifles out across the river. Now, I'm no big gun enthusiast, but it was just kind of fun, you know, to kind of pretend. And I'm telling you, this was so immersive; you really got the sense of that play element by by romping through all that was. Uh, that was uh, Fort Wilderness and, uh, and, the ca- and, and so forth. I should also mention that every island had an, a portion that guests could go on, but it also had a portion that was off limits to guests and that would feature some elements that you could see as you were on board, in this case, the Mark Twain uh, steamboat going around uh, the rivers of America. And the, an the, and in Indian territory was often found um, And the way they would phrase it was, they would say Indian territory, terms of treaty prohibit entry. So they kind of say, well, okay, because of this big treaty, you can't come out here. The other thing was the burning settlers cabin, which was believed to have burned because um, Indians had originally tacked the cabin. And back in the early, early days, you would see a good size arrow, Um. And the guy lying dead on the ground. (laughs) And and now it seems so politically incorrect. It eventually was changed over um, to a moonshiners. And the idea that he kind of blew up his cabin or kind of turned on fire because he was making moonshine in the cabin. And that played out for a number of years, too. There's a, a very different version now. I'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, The one other thing I should mention that was unique to Tom Sawyer's Island is, and it has only occurred at Tom Sawyer's Island at Disneyland in the early years, was that there was a fishing pier in Catfish Cove. And um, you could go there and a young man playing Tom Sawyer, who in the early days was largely played by um, a Disney cast member by the name of Tom Nabby. Now, Tom Nabby actually started his career as a teenager, putting, uh, getting the hooks ready, getting the bait on the, on the hooks and helping folks fish and take care of their fish and, and go through all of this uh, back in the early days. And you could just stand on the, on the dock, on the pier and do a little bit of fishing. And they kind of roped off the area so there was a number of fish there. You, you had a pretty good chance of catching some fish if you just uh, would bother taking this Now, mind you, carrying the fish around Disneyland and the smell thereof that would come, well, obviously some changes had to come and I think it became catch and release and then it became just, let's not do the fishing thing. Tom Nabby, by the way, went on to a great career opening Walt Disney World. I, I believe he was actually dealing with transportation with the monorail system when first opened. He ended his career in distribution. If you have not had a chance to, um, let me give you a shameless plug here to my previous podcast on Judson Green. Judson Green was an important individual who made such a difference in terms of the culture of Walt Disney World, making it more inclusive, creating greater buy-in, um, creating a greater esprit de corps. And Tom Nabby was one of the great um, Spokespersons for saying, hey, look, I was one of those my way or the highway kind of guys. And it was this initiative, this effort, this program that made me rethink how I dealt with my fellow cast members. So um, Tom Nevy has just a great career. And if you do get a chance, you do definitely need to. That is probably one of the most important podcasts I have done is that one with Judson Green it's titled Michael Eisner's Best and Worst Decision. You'll understand why I called it that. But it's in me- memory of uh, Judson Green, who passed away last week. But at any rate, all that said and done, the only thing I haven't named is, it, and again, every guest, when they boarded the rafts and came across, and by the way, I as a kid, I grew up on Tom Sawyer's Island at Disneyland. To me, getting on those rafts and, and going across the river, that was as big a thrill as anything in the park. I and and it, you know kind of bumped up when you got to the dock, you know, and and you kind of you got a little nervous, you know, we're gonna fall off, you know. But it's a little kid, you think those things, and it was, it was just a great attraction boarding those rafts and everything. And when you got onto uh, Tom Sawyer Island, they always handed you a map of how to get around the island, and so you'd see all these titles such as Smuggler's Cove and Catfish Cove. Um, one interesting title and I'll just name it right here is there is a space called Pirate's Den and that is a key to what Tom Sawyer's Island has become today now we're going to leave that behind other than I have, to, I have to tell you one little funny story about Tom Sawyer's Island in 1967 I want to say you no know, um, it may have been 1970 um, in the there were a group of yippies. And, and let me tell you, management back then, if you looked like you weren't wearing the right, you weren't wearing shoes or you weren't, they'd find any reason to throw a kid who looked like he was trouble out of the park before they got into the park. And so um, they would do that. But, but one day, this group of yippies, not hippies, yippies, who had this political agenda, came over and took over Tom Sawyer Island one day to protest the war in Vietnam. In fact, what they did is they took down the American flag, which I believe was uh, which was uh, hanging in Fort Wilderness. And it's not a current American flag. It dates back to the 1800s. But they took down this American flag and they put up a Viet Cong flag in its place. And uh, they ended up having to close the park to all the guests and then come in and bring these folks out of there and arrest them. It was a whole story there. But, but at any rate, that was the, the legendary Yippee Day at uh, Tom Sawyer Island back uh, back way in the and, uh, in the Vietnam era. We need to now move on to the Magic Kingdom. And I'm afraid if I don't say it now, I will forget to tell you later. And that is, this is the best Tom Sawyer Island. I've been to all of them. This is the best one. I've seen the original at Disneyland. I've seen the newer one at Disneyland. I've been out to Tokyo, but I gotta tell you, I love this Tom Sawyer Island. It's just one of the best things at um, Walt Disney World. And it's got features that you just don't get anywhere else. And it plays so much more into the story of Tom Sawyer and all that's involved there. Um, So you definitely, definitely, if you've never been to Tom Sawyer Island at Walt Disney World, you are missing, you are just missing a part. You know, we talk about these as being parks. Well, there's no more natural park in the park than Tom Sawyer's Island. It's just beautifully laid out. It's got so many fun things. It opened on May 20th, of 1973, which um, I should mention was the same time that, um, uh, that um, they actually inaugurated or launched the second steamboat, um, which I believe was the Richard Irvine. Um, there had been another earlier steamboat And the difference between those steamboats, they looked completely alike, except one had a double stack, the original, which was named the Joe Fowler. And the other, the Richard Irvine, was named, what had only one stack. Well, unfortunately, a couple of years after that, they were putting the um, Joe Fowler into dry dock and they had to hoist the thing up and it fell out of the hoist and permanently did some major damage. Um, some of the pieces of the engine were recovered and actually used, um, in the engines for, um, Tokyo Disneyland's steamboat, but, um, that's why you only see, and at that point they kind of said, really, do we need two steamboats? Which by the way, one of the most disappointing things, I'm way off target here. This is a rabbit hole, but one of the most disappointing things I believe about, um, And I mentioned this a few podcasts ago when we talked about um, how Splash Mountain was going to be redone to uh, Princess and the Frog. One of the craziest things is is that they did a steamboat in the first place. I really felt like a Columbia sailing ship, which they have at Disneyland, they have both the Mark Twain and Columbia sailing ship, that would have looked so much more appropriate to a colonial era dock um, in Liberty Square. And so I always felt like that has been a miss. You know, I just kind of... look past it now, but at any rate, know that it occurred uh, in 1973 and was um, opened the same day as that second boat, the Irvine, um, which is now the Liberty Bell. Um, Again, all the basic elements of it are there. Um, There is not one, but two mills. It's not called the Old Mill. Here it's called Harper's Mill which is an homage to Harper Goff, who probably has more homage paid to him. If you go through the park, there's another one over by um, the Little Mermaid attraction in Fantasyland. And I believe there's another one in Adventureland. It seems like Harper Goff is all over the park. Probably a window on Main Street. So at any rate, but this, this is the biggest because it has got this big sign that you can see as you go down Frontierland saying Harper's Mill. But it's not the only mill. And by the way, I love all these mills because you go in and you see how it's all kind of grinding or set up to grind grain and everything. And usually there is working an owl up in the rafters, which again takes you back to the old mill f- animated feature that was uh, a part of that of that um, that uh, short that Disney did. But that's only one mill, there's a second mill and that mill is called um, Potter's Mill. And it's, and I thought Potter had to do something with like pottery or some kind of um, um, craft or something. But actually it's named, um, it is named after Muff Potter. And Muff Potter, if you remember in the story is kind of the the friendly fisherman drunk, um, who's the close friend to Tom and Huck. And he kind of befriends them and so forth. And he ends up being falsely accused by Injun Joe as having killed Dr. Robinson at the graveyard. Um, And and so it really becomes Tom Sawyer's uh, duty to declare uh, Muff's innocence. But that mill is named um, after Muff Potter, and right nearby is Injun Joe's Cave, complete with the bottomless cavern. And, uh, and so you get to explore that. But here at Walt Disney World, you not only have um, Injun Joe's Cave, but you also have what's referred to as Old Scratch's Mystery Mine. Old Scratch's Mystery Mine is... Well, it's just um, this funky little cave that does what is seemingly impossible to do. Um, And in it, the principal thing, which is so hard to really see happen, but what happens is, is you look, you see water running in the cave, but the water is actually running upward instead of downward in the cave. And that is achieved by kind of changing your... Um, angle and elevation elevation and and uh, in the cave as you were walking along. This was actually better achieved by a similar kind of uh, attraction, but not a cave. It was a house, as I recall, and it's in Knott's Berry Farm out in California. They took some of those same kind of ideas to give kind of a second cave. And, and this is one of the reasons why I love Tom Sawyer's Island, because you not only have um, Injun Joe's cave, you have the mystery mind cave. I should also mention, and I didn't mention, I think at the Disneyland one, there's also an escape from the fort. And this cave comes out the backside of the fort. And I have to say that I did this uh, a week or two ago and I had forgotten how long that little cave was. I thought it was just a couple of feet and you're out, but it actually is quite an extended cave. And, uh, and it's, and it's, probably the most narrow of all the caves. So if you if you're looking to lose a few pounds, you might want to knock off the churros before you go through that cave because it gets a little gets a little slender in there as you go through. But all three caves are so fun. And they make that whole experience of going through there just delightful. Now what about rock elements? I mentioned Castle Rock and merry Go Round Rock and Teeter Totter Rock. To be honest, none of those elements are on Tom Soy Island here. There is a place where I remember it being, and I remember, I don't remember, to be honest, the um, castle rock portion, but I do remember the teeter-totter rock, um, which is a little different than the one you see actually in Tokyo Disney that I'll talk about in a few minutes. But I remember my children going back and forth on that rock. It seems to me... Now that has largely to protect injury. If you think about merry-go-round rock, you know that there's this little um, old park element called the merry-go-round. It was made out of uh, iron or steel and it went around and you had to push it to go around. And it was really a very cool thing unless you slipped and fell and got thrown off of it. Or, which happened on my brother's 10th birthday when I was about six years old, um where you end up getting your head stuck between the merry-go-round and the dirt floor and yeah that hurt i am surprised i didn't get hurt worse uh during that experience when i was a little boy at the encanto park in phoenix arizona probably not there that uh, merry-go-round any further it certainly isn't there at magic kingdom anymore but but i wanted to um There is a scavenger's fort where they've taken old bits, parts and pieces from the river and made a little fort for Tom and Huck there. There is the pontoon bridge and the suspension bridge, all terrific, um, terrific fun stuff to do while you're there. Here, your suspension bridge, Tom Sawyer's Island is actually two islands. And what connects the two islands is the suspension bridge. And the suspension bridge Carries you over to the Scavengers' Fort. I gotta tell you, I love, 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 love this fort, and it's it's um, named Fort. Um, uh, I call it Scavengers' Fort. That's the name of the treehouse. The name of the actual fort, ha- uh, fort with the blockhouse rifles, is Fort Langhorn. It is named Fort Langhorn for Samuel Langhorn Clemens the actual name of Mark Twain. He went by Mark Twain in his writings, but he was actually named Samuel Langhorn Clemens. And in honor of him, we have Fort Langhorn. And again, we have the blockhouse rifles and all that's involved there. So that's all very cool. We also have these little scenes. You kind of... Um, uh, can peek into, where the cavalry is busy um, horseshoeing the horses, and you see horses and chickens there, and there's a whole scene going on there. And then you have the brink, the little jailhouse onto the side, and there's a guy who looks like he's been sleeping off, having drunk too much. But you have that whole thing going on over there. So uh, it's very cool, and then of course the escape from the fort that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. The only thing I have forgotten to mention, which is again unique features on this island, is Aunt Polly's dockside inn, with a whitewash fence leading up to it, which has Becky uh, loves Tom, Tom, loves Becky, and Huck's name on there, and you can see, you know, the the fence being whitewashed just like in the in the story uh, in the, in the film. And, um, and, uh, the, um, and Aunt Polly's Duckside Inn, which honestly in 27 years, uh, it was opened on rare occasion back in the nineties. Two years ago, somebody came up with the idea of opening it up and they had some amazing, crazy fun peanut butter and jelly, what was it, scones, something like that. It was just a bunch of delicious, fun uh, foods to eat. And that only lasted a couple of weeks and it hasn't returned since. little disappointing. It's still nice to find a little bit of shade. You can always find a rocking horse, a rocking horse, a, a, a rocking chair. You can always find a rocking chair on Tom Sawyer's Island here. It's a great place to just sit. And take it easy. There's also several places where you can go and play a little bit of checkers. And let me tell you, doing that with one you love is probably going to be the memory they remember most from their trip to the Magic Kingdom. So take the time, sit back, play a little bit of checkers while you're on Tom Sawyer's Island. This is just a great island, and I love all of the elemental oh by the way, off In the offstage area is again, another cabin, which has gone through its own, um, is no longer on fire like it used to be. There was also something I thought was very cool. And by the way, this was designed by Mark Davis. Several elements like Polly's Inn was designed by Mark Davis originally. Um, He gave um, some design assistance to it, but I love this thing that you see on the riverboat called Wilson's Cave Inn, which is this cave outcropping off of the river. Parked in front of it is an old keelboat, a small keelboat for scale purposes, but notwithstanding a line of laundry kind of hang, I guess. And you can often hear voices at night, lights going on. It's just it's just crazy stuff, but it's fun stuff. And it all adds to the feeling that you are just, you are back in Missouri and you are on the modern Mississippi River. So now we head to Tokyo Disneyland, and to understand Tom Sawyer's Island there, you you have to understand a couple of things in the larger context of this land. First of all, we don't call it Frontierland. We call it Westernland. Second, um, the train always passes through on the outskirts of Frontierland, and it does here too, but it also passes through the center of Frontierland. What do I mean by that? Well. They learned as they were building Tokyo Disneyland that if they did a, a train that went all the way around the park and they had more than one station, it would be considered a formal rail and a formal uh, transportation means and would be governed under certain laws and regulations as is public transportation in Japan. Well, they didn't want that. So what they did is they kept the train, but they put the train in Adventureland. And what they do is you you queue up for the jungle cruise and underneath and on the top deck, you actually board the tra- at the train station and the train takes off and it goes through Adventureland and comes back around that side And then it enters into the frontier land area and then cuts in between the river and where Splash Mountain is. So if you could imagine, if you could imagine standing at the rivers of America where Splash Mountain is and seeing a train go right by you on a higher trestle above you and then keep coming along the edge of the river, that's what this train does. And it, what it does is it ends up creating almost, um, I don't want to say a wall, but a, almost like a barrier, which kind of keeps you from moving toward the river. You don't see the river easily because of a number of things, small wagon, popcorn wagons and other crafts and kinds of items that are scattered along the river. You, you really don't, when you're in frontierland, you really don't see the river. And on the main path leading to um, Big Thunder Mountain, it too is kind of in front of a portion of the river. And then the train goes back behind it and then it goes into a primeval world setting before it heads back to Adventureland. So I I show a map of this. And if you look at it on item 52 is where the raft landing is. And it's, it's so kind of tucked away that you could if you weren't looking for it you would miss it uh entirely um what has added to its notoriety is that it is adjacent now to what's called camp woodchuck which i apologize i should do an entire podcast around camp woodchuck and the menu at camp woodchuck which is named after you know uh the woodchuck (laughs) <laughs> um, who was in charge of the national parks, and we have Huey and Dewey and Louie and Humphrey the Bear. It's just all of those elements. It's so much fun, so well themed. It's like kind. Of, it's like a a scout camp, and it's so clever and fun. And at any rate, that's the only thing that's bringing people to that side of the river, which is uh, honestly one of the best places to grab a counter service style experience in Tokyo Disneyland, although you have a lot of great choices. Anyway, you grab the raft here, and you head toward Tom Sawyer Island. This opened uh, when the park opened on April 15th in 1983, and I remember the first brochure I had ever gotten. It was actually an opening document. Um, uh, showcasing the construction and building of Tokyo Disneyland. they have these pictures of the rafts and there's a layer of snow on them because it's that time of the, they have that winter effect uh, certain days of the year where they get snow. And here on the island, you have Harper's Mill. You have Injun Joe's cave. You have a castle rock ridge with a spinning rock, a teeter-totter rock, which looks very different than any other. Um, they even have a kind of a castle dungeon that's going... I think this was to um, be the substitute for the secret escape from the fort. And so you can kind of go down in that area as well as up on top of the mountain. There is a Tom Sawyer's treehouse. There is a pontoon bridge and a suspension bridge. There is a Fort Sam Clemens. Remember um, Samuel Langhorn Clemens. So... At Tokyo Disney, you have uh, Sam Clemens, and then here at, at Walt Disney World, you have um, Langhorn, the middle name for the name of the fort. All of them have, by the way, blockhouse rifles, and you can go up into them, and it's a it's a pretty full scale um, uh, fortress right there. Um, they also have something very different than any other. Tom Sawyer Island, they have an Indian camp. Well, they all had Indian camps, but the Indian camps were unaccessible. Um, oh, by the way, you should also check out the picture with the cemetery in it. They do have a little cemetery next to the fort, too. That's kind of... And it's I don't see any Imagineers who are, whose names are in it as uh, paying homage to them. But anyway, it's, it's kind of a random thing to see this fairly somber-looking cemetery outside the, the fort. Um, I think they were trying to really kind of build a more authentic e- experience of trying to see what what, uh, what it feels like when you go um, out in the West and so forth. Anyway, they have an Indian camp where you can kind of roam around the Indian teepees that are there. You can even look in them, maybe go in them. They talk about being able to go in them. I, I don't remember that. I did take pictures from the exterior looking in. And they have this some fairly, you know, authentic looking blankets and tools. And it looked like something that probably would have belonged to some um, set of Indian settlers uh, at one point. So, so that is a unique thing. Also kind of a rock outcropping you can kind of play around with, with kind of a skull rock thing in it. So that's kind of, kind of an interesting little thing, but Um, but at any rate, um, uh, I should mention that Injun Joe's got a hidden treasure inside Injun Joe's cave and the only clue to its hiding place is the sign of a cross. So get, get religious here. Uh, it's kind of, uh, it's an interesting Tumsway Island. What makes it, what makes it not as cool, and let me tell you, there's just nothing tokyo disney that isn't cool it's always better but this is probably the one place where there's exception and if you look at the photos that i share the only way i can describe this is that the ground is very pristine they've kind of put this i don't know if it was a clay or a cement but but painted with a slurry on it 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 all has that kind of brownish orange look to it but it's so clean and well kept it it doesn't when you compare it to the other photos I have of Disneyland and you see the ground and it's all dirt it, and and because of it the trees are kind of off on the side past the past the fence and so it's actually a very sunny and the time I went to see it it was a very warm day with very little shade which is not what you get when you are at at Magic Kingdom, you get these really wonderful, tall shade trees that just, that become a canvas to everything. You have the same thing at Disneyland. Big, beautiful, huge, 65, 60-year-old 60 trees, if not older. The well, one problem there is that they've become so big that I'm not sure that their future is, is certain. And they've had problems Especially during uh, rainy seasons, where some of the older trees in the parks have been falling down very randomly, and so uh, if there's anything, some of these some of these places kind of need to redo their their vegetation. So let's go back to the Disneyland of today, the um, Tom Sawyer Island uh, at Disneyland. Um, has been altered by two significant events over time. The first was that a decision was made to create a new entertainment night show called Fantasmic and to use what was the area around the old mill to create a big staging area for that uh, for that show, allowing guests to gather along the rivers of America. Now. There is no end to the conversation about which Phantasmic is best, Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. And frankly, most people would say it's the Disneyland show that beats the Disney Hollywood Studios show. I will say this, however, I get a seat at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and I kind of like that. And I have never been happy with how they not only re-altered Tom Sawyer's Island, But the whole um, walkway area along the rivers of America extending from Frontierland through New Orleans Square and onto Critter Country, I hate that area. And it looks cement-driven and it lacks the beauty and the pedestrian feel of how it looked originally. Um, Notwithstanding, it's a great show. The second thing that occurred to Tom Sawyer's Island is that in the effort to try to build the Pirates of the Caribbean brand, and of course across the way from Tom Sawyer's Island is Pirates of the Caribbean, they decided to put a new overlay. So on June 16th of 2017, Tom Sawyer's Island reopened as Pirate's Lair on Tom Sawyer's Island, and a number of elements added a touch of pirating. Now remember, I told you that the earlier map had a sort of, uh, um, well, it had said Pirate's Den in one corner, so mind you, it's more of a river pirate as opposed to a pirate that you would expect in the Caribbean, but hey, they took that and they ran with it, and there are some interesting elements. Some things are just like, for instance, uh, the old mill is now called William Turner's blacksmith. Um, so that's not anything um, too crazy there. Earlier, they had actually, before, um, before it had become Pirate Slayer, they had taken some ship elements. Imagine some wrecked pieces of ship. And they had, built, they had rebuilt what was Castle Rock into this um, ship overlay. And that was back in 2003, I believe. Um, They kind of removed some of the other rock features. It was basically an effort to make it safer to be climbing up there on the rocks and so forth. And there were people who would climb the wrong way on the rocks and all that was involved. So this is a way to kind of fix and address all of that. And and that was kind of cool. You know, that was okay. Nothing wrong there. They've kept Tom and Huck's treehouse. They've kept the pontoon bridge and the suspension bridge. All that's good. Um, Instead of that old cabin sitting way back when they redid the rivers and, and shortened the river for um, the addition of Galaxy's Edge in the far back, they redid the cabin, which was on fire for so many years, and they made it to Mike Fink's cabin and they added um, a, um, a keelboat boat uh, docked there on the river. So it, it really pays homage to the original Davy Crockett shows. And that's that's, uh, that's pretty pretty cool in and of itself. Um, there is also, by the way, um, in terms of caves, there is now something called Dead Man's Grotto, which allows you to kind of explore and, and kind of look around at that too is, is, uh, rethemed in a pirate's theme. And there's, um, a treasure element that's involved, um, with that as well as the secret cave, the secret cave is, um, uh, the secret cave is kind of what was the old, um, escape cave from the fort. Let's talk about the fort. The fort is the saddest thing that ever happened to this island. Um, they, there's still a fort there. There really are not the, um, blockhouse It's not the blockhouse. Look, there are towers on it, but it's, it looks wrong. The way they redid this, um, you can't go in it. It's totally sealed off. There is a cemetery behind it. Well, like you know, that you can kind of go by. There's no big gain there. That allows you to actually access that, um, um, that, that, uh, that one cave that had been the escape cave. Um, basically, what they did with the fort is they turned that into an area where cast members could prepare to deliver the phantasmic show at night. It's their dressing rooms and their area to prep and ready and where they can store props and all those elements. So that's why that's there. The one thing that does save Tom Pirate's Lair, Tom Sawyer's Island, is that... Um, they have a smuggler's cove, which is the, was the name of it originally. But now it's got a capstan wheel. It's got bilge pumps where you kind of pump up these skeletons that come up from the water. It has this bone cave cage thing, if you remember the, the circular bone cage that was in the second Pirates of the Caribbean film that they were rolling down the mountain with and so forth. They've got several of these elements. I have to say from the pirate theming, it kind of does work. I'm okay with that. But again, I was okay with it. It was just Tom Sawyer Island. Here's the truth and here's the challenge with these islands is that um, because there's not a strong IP and by the way, why aren't we doing a really good Tom Sawyer movie? uh, and and let me just stop there on the Tom Sawyer movie thing. There was one kind of Tom and Huck film done uh, a couple years ago. That's neither here nor there. But there was a really good one done in the 70s. Go look it up. It was actually done together, uh, United Artists with Reader's Digest. And it starred Johnny Whitaker along with... Jodie Foster if you remember going way back these two child stars were also together in Disney's Napoleon and Samantha but what makes this film really great and it was done at the same time that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was done outside of Disney as well hint here is that the music for this film was done by the Sherman Brothers it was one of their great pieces and who did the score for the film Williams this is long before um this is long before we have we have uh E.T. and Star Wars and all of that but these three came together to actually create help create the the music for this film and it's a joyous film if you ever get a chance to watch it Why I'm mentioning all this is the lack of an IP means the lack of investment. It's the same problem as if you went back to my conversation about the challenge with Splash Mountain. Because they can't really invest in the IP. There was no reinvestment in improving the mountain. They always made sure the plumbing was working, but they didn't really fix some of the broken characters that were in Splash Mountain. Same thing with Tom Sawyer Island. In these parks it you really almost have to drain um, the river in order to do any major kinds of construction on the island and why would you finance that unless it was tied to a particular intellectual property to a particular film and so forth so the only time it's been changed is in the case of Disneyland where, um, they needed to make changes in order to create Fantasmic. And, uh, they saw that as an opportunity to redo the island as they created the, uh, uh, alignment with the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And it makes a little sense there. It makes no sense at Magic Kingdom. It makes less sense at, um, at, uh, Tokyo Disney. In fact, one of the challenges with the Princess and the Frog is that Splash Mountain is way on the opposite side of where Pirates and New Orleans Square is in Tokyo Disneyland. You are on two opposite extremes, New Orleans Square being kind of a bridge between their World Bazaar and Adventureland and Splash Mountain being kind of the segue between what is Western land and into f- fantasy land. And so adding this Southern element, it's going to be really kind of interesting in Tokyo Disney Not to say that Splash mountain isn't a Southern element, but they've kind of made it a critter country place and it's that we could do a whole podcast around their critter country at Tokyo Disney. Long story short, this is the legacy of Tom Sawyer Island. And even though sometimes they don't get the fresh infusion of cash to kind of redo it or upgrade it or add some really cool effects, wouldn't it be great to add some cool effects in some of these caves? Well, that may be a while in coming. But the upside of all this is because it's so hard to do anything to these, they kind of get preserved. And they are they do maintain that, uh, that heritage and their their memories, and so you can truly take, I look forward to taking my grandchildren on Tom Sawyer's Island because it will be a bridge from having taken my own children uh, to that island when I was a kid. It's just one of my favorite places, especially, again, at Magic Kingdom, just to get away from the craziness of the crowds, to enjoy the shade, hit a rocking chair, play a few checkers, and just take yourself to another world a world that's 150 years old, a world that settled along the rivers of the mighty Mississippi. That is where you find Tom Sawyer's Island. Hey, thank you for joining me. Thanks for indulging me in talking about one of my favorite things, Tom Sawyer Island. Hey, and be sure, if you like this kind of, make sure you check out the one we did on the castles all the castles in all the parks as well as all the it's a small world attractions we'll keep going through this a jungle cruise maybe next but there are others i'd love to do the shooting galleries i'd love to take on some restaurants it's going to be fun hotels too oh we can't miss that so we've got lots of fun um uh comparisons to make as we as we continue through our podcast. and just be sure to subscribe be sure to make sure that uh that uh, you get our downloads when uh, when we put out our podcasts. Make sure you check out our websites, disneyatplay.com as well as disneyatwork.com. And just uh, be sure to enjoy us whenever you have a chance. Again, thank you for being with us in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage. Always remember, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.